Hello and welcome. My name is Assad. My name is Jamie. We're two surgical trainees in the north of England, and this is the podcast that aims to dissect, to probe, to anatomize, and analyze what it is to be a surgical trainee. Welcome to It's Always Sunny in Surgery. In this episode, I guess, we've got a slight different uh, format. Uh, Rather than having a a guest, we've invited several anonymous guests for their input. In a way, we've sort of uh, sent out a poll on Reddit, which has uh, asked the question, what would make surgical training great again? This is in sort of response to our last episode where we had Mr. Welch on, where I think the the, the sort of underlying uh, theme was that uh, there's a lot of things in surgical training that have been sorely missed, um, sort of eroded away over the years. We sort of put put out a a referral to the Reddit MDT to to ask what what the people out there thought would make surgery great again. And we've got some responses, which I haven't seen. But did you get a lot of um, response from it? We actually did, you know, a lot more than I expected. I mean, I think, you know, there's probably that subreddit's quite active at the minute because I feel like a lot of people use it to vent grievances. And if you ever give someone a chance to, to sort of rage at things, people can lap it up. And, you know... I kind of came away a bit deflated from that, that episode because it just sounded like so much fun, you know, like cooking in the mess and then whatever in the mess. Like, I, you know, I'm teetotal, so I don't even drink, but it's just more about the liberty of things, like the ability to do that. We've we've lost that kind of fun. Yeah, it was interesting. Just literally a couple of days after we recorded that episode, I was talking to a consultant, probably not far off Mr. Welch's um, time, um, who I was on call with, and he was he was just saying the exact same thing. He was saying that you know it was more enjoyable. There are some things I think are for the better for the patient's safety point of view, you know, um, but there are some things which I think we've lost that have meant that a lot of uh, surgical trainees are de-skilled in a way because they're not being exposed to as much. Just to explain this poll in a bit more detail, what we did was we kind of um, gave a summary of what we, what the, what sort of themes came up um, in, in the last episode where we talked about how uh, surgical training was, was not as great as it used to be. And, you know, alluding to the question, what, what would make surgery great again? And then you, you gave some kind of like uh, options which people could click on and vote on, like five optionals or six options. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we can, we, you know what I'll do? We'll post a link to it at the bottom. Like I, I can put a copy of the poll and then I can share it to like Imgur or 
Uh, just even a link to our sort of Reddit profile, and you can see the, the polls there. Yeah, so it's pre-selected answers, very much like Family Fortune. Well, maybe not like Family Fortune, but yeah, and just it's a bit easier. There were also some free text comments um, yeah. people have added, um, but the majority of responses have been ones that we picked that were a recurring theme from that episode. Yeah. See what see what the community at large fancies. So the format we're going to do, you've you've come up with an idea, yeah, um, a little for bit. a TV show, which I I'm a bit young to know about. You're going to tell me what this is. You've never seen Family Fortunes, have you? No, I mean I don't watch a lot of TV anyway. But you told me that this is a show in the nineties, which it's still ongoing. It's still ongoing. Is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's got several iterations. I think it's also across. Other parts of the world, like they, they, I don't know if it began life in America or whatever, but it's called Family Family Feud in the States, and we've just called yeah. it Family Fortune. But the premise is quite simple, actually. What you do is you take survey data and you get a, a team who are typically families, um, and then you ask the teams to to say, you know, we surveyed a hundred people. What's the most important thing to have in your car before a trip to work? And then they have to guess what. A question. Exactly. And if you win, you get points, and eventually you win a round by getting all the questions right. Then you win a sum of money, and then eventually come away with that. We don't have money um, to get, but I just thought it'd make a, a fairly interesting way of yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about it. And, I, and the other thing that's quite meta is obviously uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and they did a whole episode. It only dawned on me recently, actually. They did a whole episode where the gang goes to this game show and participate in the game show. So it's like breaking the, uh, breaking the fall or just uh, continuing the cycle of art and meta references. So I think mm. it's quite tiny actually. Very good. I've not seen that episode. I watch it after this. It'll probably make a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's quite good. Actually. I think it's like season 10. I'll find a few. Yeah. I'll find a few. Yeah. Options. Well, I'll be telling Jamie that's that's half the fun of the the thing you've got to guess. Oh, I see. I've got to guess. I've got to guess. Okay. You have no idea. It's a very very generic question. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the, the, you get like a very irritating answer if you get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Ding, if we get it right, um, I'll, we'll source that. I'll make it like that. And then <laughs> um, that's it. You have no idea what the, the options are. You literally just got to pull them out of the air. Fine. So I've got to try and guess then. Well, I'll ask it in there. I'll ask it the way we surveyed 500 people about what would make surgery great again. Do you want to hazard a guess at what the top answer was? Well, given it was on Reddit, um, the scope creep and, and PAs or something like that, which seems to sort of cloud Reddit, um, it seems to be like the main topic everyone wants to talk about at the moment. Was that the top answer? Our survey says. No, oh, really? Okay. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. 
Fine. There's no um, one that can steal your answer, so you may as well go again. What do you think was the top? I mean, the big thing that we talked about in the last episode was a firm structure. It wasn't that, was it? Yeah. Firm structure. Really? It was? Oh, okay. Yeah. 162 votes. A lot of people haven't actually experienced the firm structure. Have you experienced it? Well, sort of. In one of my hospitals, we did have a firm structure, but it was kind of ruined by the on-call rotor, which sort of fell on top of of the firm structure. So you'd have your consultant and your registrar and your F1, or the SHO, and that was your team. But the problem is that one week your F1 was on, on nights, so you wouldn't see them. So that week you wouldn't have an F1. And then, you know, there'll be some days when none of the team were in because we'd all be on-call but the consultant wasn't on call. So it, it didn't match the point about the firm structures that when you're on call, you're all on call together, you and your firm. So it was kind of a semi-firm structure, which didn't work very well because it didn't, it didn't match with the on-call voter. Um, so I can't say that I have worked in a proper firm structure uh, system. Having said that, I, when I did work in that firm structure, when everyone was in, it worked really well. So I do appreciate how it, it, it was better. I was in a firm uh, as a as a, a house officer, and a couple of times, sort of, the consultants were like, "Oh, you should come to this. You should come to this," and they sort of summoned me to theatre. And I got quite a, a bit of experience for an F one, which was quite good. Like I enjoyed that. Um, didn't have it so much as a core trainee, and I've had it at select jobs as a registrar. And when I've had it as a registrar, it's been great, mostly because you really get inside the mindset and the working relationship of a particular trainer. And you don't always feel like when you turn up to a list that you're starting again from zero, you know, you are going to do this, then you're going to do that, and then you're going to do that. And they've seen you operate and they've seen you handle things in clinics. So they give you more and more and more and more. And it's really, really good for development. So I'm I'm a big fan of of the firm structure. I'm kind of glad that it was the top top thing. Well, it's mentoring, isn't it? You have yeah. one mentor who who gets to know you. Yeah. Um, and 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 as you say, it's you're not starting again. You're not having that conflict of um, too many people inputting uh, feedback and training at any one time it's almost like too many cooks in the kitchen it's better to just have one person who teaches you um their way of doing things and builds upon that um each time you go to theater um because you know i mean at the moment i've got uh, several consultants but it's like i've only been with each consultant once or twice in theater and every time you're starting again they're asking you know what how many times you've done this operation that sort of thing it's um much better when you just get to know one you know, have one sort of point of uh, contact for for your training. I'm interested that that's been picked up on. Actually, it's not something people often talk about. Yeah. So, what what was the sort of free comments about that? Free comments. They were saying, "Oh, the top voted free comment. I voted for the firm structure because operating with the same boss repeatedly was magic for my confidence and technical proficiency. But I want to add one more, and that is segways or hoverboards for ward rounds." Um, essentially, most people were just saying that the firm structure was really good. You get a sense of belonging. You, you're part of a team. You feel like in a team mentality. Even though everyone's in a team, they're all aiming to achieve the same 
yeah. goal. You really kind of have got a cohesion and development that comes from it. And it goes down the chain, doesn't it? It's, you know, it's not just the consultant, the registrar. The registrar also gets to know the SHO. The SHO gets to know the F1 and F1. Yeah, for sure. I, mean, I remember when um, when I was doing general surgery, I had a core trainee that was, was, was good but couldn't catch a break. And I was like, right, um, you go take care of these things. I've got to take, the, take care of these things. We're doing an appendix, so you do that. And then I'll go clear all these like rubbish things. And then you come to theatre when I ring you because you need, you're need you going to do this case and I'll do your camera and I'll get your lap stack and all that sort of stuff. So, and obviously it made the rest of my own call a bit more problematic, but I really wanted to give this person a shot at, at doing mm-hmm. appendix because when are they going to get one otherwise? Whereas I know what they're capable of. And not even that, I, I know what they're capable of. I know what I'm capable of. In a roundabout way, because they were grateful of me doing that for them, when we were on call, they worked like a little bit harder because they were valued and in turn I would give them more. So it was just like a positive feedback loop where yeah. trainee gets more, trainee does more, rewarded with more, does more. And then it was like, that's great. Yeah. We we spoke about it a lot with Mr. Welsh about how it was it benefits you more in training. I think, and it also added to the enjoyment because you had more camaraderie, you had more, you know, a sense of belonging. It's interesting. You also you mentioned um, some about segways. Um, that the ward rounds these days in surgical training um, are like becoming safari ward rounds and that's that's a new thing that's since covid like now we have patients all over the place um and it's because after you know during covid they kind of used a lot of the surgical wards um as medical beds for these covid patients and then kind of just stayed that way ward rounds i've just noticed over the past since the since the pandemic we've now been we go see our patients on several different wards rather than just seeing them all in, in one surgical ward yeah, I mean, th- I feel like the segue would cut down on that. That's quite a good suggestion. Well, I think we should just do what psychiatry do and stick our stick ourselves in one place, and the patients be brought to us. We see you know, <laughs> scrubs. The, the thing with scrubs is, I watched it when I was like a teenager, idealistic and whatever about doing medicine. And what I didn't realize at the time was there's this whole layer of medical jokes, which yeah. yeah. You don't get unless you're in the profession. And yeah. the one that really tickles me is this one time where Turk has to do a ward round and he really can't be bothered doing a ward round. So what he does, he says, for maximum efficiency, I'm going to review four patients at once like on this ward. So he just plants a chair in the middle of the ward. He stands on the chair and he's like, from here I can see into all four rooms. You know, all the patients of Dr. Turk give you an okay if you're okay. And they're all like... I'm okay. And he's like, all right, cool. Uh, and I'm like, that is, that is the dream world round. That is, that's mm. how it used to be. I remember one of the, I don't want to say one of the downsides, but one of the things about when I worked on a firm, which could get a little bit annoying is that the consultants would have their times for doing the ward round. So they mm. would come at like Wednesday at two to do a ward round. doesn't matter what you were doing. You'd have to ru- stop what you were doing and follow them on the ward round. And sometimes the ward round, I worked for a consultant who was a very, very, very colourful character. And without doxing him, he had quite a few GMC cautions, not yeah. for dodgy practice, but because his personal life overspilled 
into work in quite a spectacular yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was one time he came into work and he was operating in a big fat pair of aviators and um, the anaesthetists were teasing him because they're like, oh, is this guy he thinks he's some sort of rock star? And then he slid his glasses down. He had a massive black eye from some some brawl at some notorious oh, bar that he was a patron of. Like everyone, everyone in the hospital knew he, he could catch him down on a, on a, a, you know, whatever Thursday night or whatever it was. Um, anyway, so here's some of his ward rounds. He'd just come hilarious, and he'd be like singing this little merry merry tune, da, 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 and he'd be like, "Hello," and that was his interaction with the patient. So I had to write ward round, Mister Date Time said hello, plan continue, actually, move on to the next. And it's just been dashing yeah. people, nice to see you. Yep, that stand was looking lovely. And he just kind of carry off. Um, so that's probably the only downside of it. Uh, but it was quite minor, you know. That was quite minor. It wasn't really that hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And you get some, you know, you get, we get patients on, post-op patients are going to the ENT ward and things like that. It's like, anyway. That's not really to do with surgical training. I just thought I'd pick that up when you said segue. I thought that was, yeah, it was a nice segue into that conversation. <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? All right, number two. What's number two? Is it something I've said already? Oh, right. Okay. Oh, it's the PA thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I knew this would come up. I knew yeah. this. Because it, it's a big topic on Reddit. Um, it should be a big topic everywhere, to be honest. I didn't want to put the poll out on Twitter because I feel like you don't know who's going to start brigading things on Twitter. And... Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot more... Um, I think Reddit, everyone seems to be on the same page. On, on Twitter, it's a bit more... Um, hot and cold and people are sort of pro and for and um, pro yeah. and against surgery should not be done by non-surgeons that's not a controversial take so i think it's definitely a debate we need to have um i hate the fact that we have to debate it do you know what i mean it seems to me to be there's actually a very straightforward uh resolution to this and that's that we come up with um, a defined scope for for any kind of profession. That is what we it's what we have for doctors, what we have for nurses, what we have for every other allied health professional. Um, and for some reason, we're just not we're not coming up with the we're not making the definitions and setting the boundaries and and you know drawing the lines where they need to be. It, it's so ridiculous. Like you've got. The GMC saying, well, it's not for us to decide, pointing the finger at the colleges, it's the colleges to decide. And the colleges are like, well, we take guidance from the GMC about that. And they're just, like, yeah. mixed signals about who's responsible. Ob- I can't say it, obfuscating the whole issue. Meanwhile, it's slowly creeping in behind. And it's like, if you create enough distraction, then the whole thing's going to happen before you even know it. And then it becomes much more difficult to fix. Um, and I do feel sorry for these... Um these individuals, you know, the PAs who are, you know, often very good at their job and they're being um, trained up to do things um, in the job. Do you know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, what, what do you do if you've got, like, a, for example, a PA who is sort of acting outside of their scope and suddenly you're going to reduce it? Um, I think that's much more difficult to do rather than sort of 
get in early and say, no, this is your scope. This is what you need to be trained in doing. You hear about it on, on mostly on Reddit, but um, there's a, some guy, a, P, a PA in Preston, so I'm embarrassed to say he's in the Northwest, um, putting ICP bolts and doing subdural hematoma evacuation. And when a long, long time ago, I was sort of quasi-interested in neurosurgery and flirting with the idea. Doing an ICP bolt was a big deal because you still have to put a pressure monitor inside someone's skull. And, and subdural is like that. I mean, that's that's neurosurgery. You're going you know, beneath the dura. So you've got the brain exposed underneath. And like when you read the guy's biography, he's like, oh, you know, I wasn't really sure. I didn't do any neurosurgery or neurology training. And I kind of, you know, just, just saw what it was like. and was interested in it and I got taught to do it. And meanwhile, the legions of people wanted to do neuro. And I'm sure you knew people at uni. They were just self-flagellating them. You know, like they'd be there going, finding a neurosurgeon, like washing the car at weekends, folding the laundry, typing clean mm-hmm. like this, just to be even given a whiff of some crappy audit they could present at a national conference. These are the kind of people that, that go into neuro and then whichever PA is mm-hmm. doing, subdurals is just circumventing that whole process. They boycotted the exams. They boycotted the national selection process. Um, they've just sidestep the whole thing and then they go and yeah that is that's- i think the, the main thing it's, it's not just if you want to do a procedure like that it's not just the ability to physically do the procedure it's about also understanding the physiology and the complications that can happen um so that you're able to deal with them and, and recognize them and deal with them that's yeah. the main thing 100 have you ever seen the film the cider house rules no Right. It's a very charming <laughs> from the early 2000s, right? And it okay. starts Michael Caine as this elderly ONG professor. And he's got some sort of deal where he runs an orphanage or a, like a young boy's home and he looks after kids. And then he comes across Toby Maguire, who's very precocious. And the long story short is like I think abortion at this point is illegal. So Michael Caine does the I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched it. Michael Caine does the um, the sections and then looks after the babies and the babies go in the home and he makes sure that they're all kind of well taken care of. And it, he basically trains Toby Maguire up to take over after him as he's getting older and retires, forges him a medical degree and he teaches Toby Maguire up to a very, very high standard so that he, just, he can do sections, right? And I imagine if you've got some prof in the 1800s You've done mm. thousands upon thousands. You go, no, 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 you can teach them all that. Um, it was a very charming story, but it doesn't really hold up as, like, the benchmark for not medical training. It used to be, then that's what surgical training was back in, you know, when we were just doing amputations and um, haircuts. But now being a surgeon is a little bit more than just operating. It's it's also looking after the patient and so, making decisions. You, and when, when training opportunities, I mean, we've talked about this a lot in the last episode, how we're not getting as much operating as um, our consultants did during their training. To be giving them away to people who aren't going to become consultant surgeons, I think is, uh, well, it's wasting training opportunities that are valuable, would be valuable to someone. I knew that would come up in this, in this uh, when, when we put the poll out, especially on Reddit. Um, but it's right there, isn't it? It's right because I think, like, the one thing you think 
as surgeons were insulated from other people taking our jobs is the actual act and craft of surgery. And we have undergone a lot of training, a lot of mistakes, a lot of mishaps, very expensive exams and courses, and then a fairly rigorous selection process to ensure that we are up to muster. And then people sidestepping all of that and then just trying to learn on the job. It's, it's just not really... It's not really on, is it? What what else then? What's the what else has come up? On let me let me try and think. Oh, rotational training. Yes. Yeah, rotational training. I mean. <sighs> I mean, it's ruined my life. No, it hasn't. It's, 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 it's been, it, but it has put a huge toll, which I don't think people often realise. Moving around, especially when you've got a family, and not knowing where you're going to be, um, is a nightmare. I mean, I, I've moved around more than some people. A lot of people try and stay in the same region, and they'll... You know, a lot of people I work with have been in the sort of Southwest Seven, but I've been Wessex. I did my foundation, then Northwest, and now I'm back Seven. Um, and even in in those regions, you know, in, in the massive. Northwest, I moved around. I moved around a lot. I went from all the way from Southport, which is right up the north, down to Chester, which is right down in the south part of the region. Um, I had to move house twice. It's like two hours from Southport to Chester. Yeah, yeah. So I was living north of Liverpool, and then I couldn't commute to Chester. I know some people do, but um, that's when I when I moved, and it was just a nightmare. And then here we're quite a big region, but it's difficult to know where you want to settle. A lot of people seem to go in Bristol and then commute from Bristol. But if you wanted to commute from Bristol to to Taunton, where I am now, that's an hour. That's ten hours of your life just driving. There's only so many podcasts you can listen to before you go insane. Um, I, I understand the benefits of it. I really do. But um, there needs to be some kind of uh, compromise where people spend a bit longer in one place and have a bit more control over where they go. And I know it used to be... It, it, the rotational training isn't a new thing. Um, our consultants did it as well and I think that's why they're reluctant to, to change it because they're like well if we went through it then you need to go through it but um, modern modern life is, is, is different now it's, it's back in the day I think like when you're a trainee you know the wage that you had would be enough to survive off like you could have a family living off your wage so you could have um, your, your, your non-surgical partner at home helping with the house stuff Whereas now it's not. Yeah. And like if you're both working far away or you're on rotation, you're both working, you're on rotation, it means that you haven't got time for like childcare stuff and blah, 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 blah. It becomes a real, real issue. You know, you finish your list at five, the nurse is going to lock the door with your child out on the street at six. And, you know, you're going to be like, well, I'm going to go and just, you know, you miss out on things like that. Um, I think that is really difficult. And I think this is something that underlines all all of the topics we talk about is the continuity. Um, when you're rotating, you know, you spend six months in the apartment and you leave. And that's only just enough to get to know people a little bit. 
um, and build up those mentoring relationships. And, you know, that the fact that you're rotating around and getting to know new people every time, getting to know new systems, you know, all that stuff. That's what underlies all the other stuff that we talked about, the firm structure and the um, scope creep. That, that, it's because we're constantly new to a department, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, I, I agree that it's good. It's, it, you, you don't want to do all your training in one place because then you, you don't get exposed to enough. But I do think we need to have a little bit more continuity in one place. I mean, at the moment, I'm, I've, I've only done maximum six months in one place. It's just it's constant. It just feels like I'm constantly new, um, and you only just get comfortable to one department and you're shifted off to another. And I mean that doesn't have a good effect on your training. Um, I mean the other thing that we should touch on uh, regional recruitment. I think is is something we could do. Uh, it really saddens me that there isn't face to face recruitment and everything is done electronically. I just think yeah. it's hard to get a handle on what someone's really like at the end of the team's interview or whatever portfolio and they're not beset from it problems there was a post on reddit this week about gp exam where the power just cut out and they were disconnected from all the servers in the middle of their final exam and that could happen in an sd3 interview you know no one can disconnect you from a face-to-face interview um and if it was done regionally and to be honest i can't see how that's an issue because you can have external assessors they have external assessors for arcp panels Probably wouldn't improve surgical training, but it would definitely make some a lot of people's lives a lot easier. Yeah, sure. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think we should bring that back. Um, I think a lot of the whole online stuff, online exams, online interviews is a hangover from COVID, and that we really need to get back to that. And I think there is a push generally in the population of like trying to get people stop stop even working at home, um, and everyone sort of getting back to to life what life was before COVID. For other people in not in medicine and not in surgery and stuff, working from home is probably a real blessing because you can do your life stuff. But one of the things that I think really resonated with me is that the job just feels lonely. And so I'm interacting with other people, not for the purposes of work, is sorely needed, I think. Did you hear about what happened in our culture, in our training? Um, We had this really good, lecture from a neurosurgeon at the Walton um, who was talking about, uh, I can't remember spinal trauma or something like that and suddenly someone's microphone turned on and we heard these porn sounds <laughs> it sounded like yeah and and, and you know the, the lecture sort of stopped and said is someone watching porn <laughs> and then and then you know they sort of like he, he, he managed to to stop them, um, like shut their mic off from his computer. Um, and then he was like, yeah, yeah, please don't do that in my lecture. And then, uh, and then we got an, an email from someone, I can't remember, it might have been Mr. Quadra actually. Um, but anyway, saying like, no, this is really like serious and we're going to investigate it. <laughs> it's like someone's watching filth in a, in a lecture. And then after that, we, we went back to face to face. And I, I think it was because, they realise that people weren't really paying attention. <laughs> but then this, this thing went around the country. Like my sister, who's not even a medic, but she's got some medic friends, um, texted me and said, oh, have you heard about this like thing that happened in a lecture in the North West? I was like, yeah, I was there. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, yeah, fine, fair enough. I guess teaching, actually. Teaching sessions are better in person because you could just chit chat with other people. I thought it was nice. And then, um, you know, if if you're travelling all that way, you know, you, you engage better. It's like you're there rather than in your pyjamas, just drinking coffee and eating cake, whatever you're doing, watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any other comments then on this? Um... Oh, just just for, just for sort of clarity, uh, we excluded. I excluded um, all the stuff like pay and whatever because I thought B and A will handle that. And yeah, I don't think that's that's unique to surgical training. Exactly, that's that, you know. Yeah. Like... yeah. Is it like work? Like workplace um, conditions, that thing. Our survey says Caesar as a solution to NTN bottlenecking. It was quite popular. It got 41 votes. Okay. Yeah. An actual fact, yeah. I was at a cadaveric course at the University of Manchester uh, this week and okay. the faculty was made up of former NTNs. So there was like... Um, consultants who'd been through training pathway and one of them in particular was non-training so he moved from india and he spent six years doing caesar which is was a certificate of equivalent specialist registration then had all his paperwork approved and he passes that he's at fast yeah. and then the, and then he was admitted onto the specialist register and um I suppose the benefit of Caesar is because you do it your own. You need someone to vouch for you for six years of training. It basically mm-hmm. becomes like a residency. You stay in one place. You get followed by the same people. You do the same stuff day in, day out. It's it's the antithesis of rotational training. Um, and you can complete it on your own terms, at your own time, with your own job plan, provided you're in a unit that's supportive. And, like, you know, he is from overseas, he did all the stuff he needed to, and now he's appointed as a substantive consultant in a university teaching hospital. It's worked out really well for him. But I don't know what your thoughts are on the matter. Well, I think uh, would, so. In, so, if we were to replace all of that with with a Caesar option, well, not replace is... NTNs, just make Caesar a much more viable opportunity. But they're 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 now going to double the number of medical school places in, and mm. foundation jobs don't appear to be increasing. Core training jobs don't appear to be increasing. And NTN jobs are static or maybe even falling a little bit. So you're going to have the market saturated and realistically, Caesar should be a viable alternative for people who are just getting out-competed. Right after 2016, where competition ratios kind of just fell, 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 because everyone was so bitter and so annoyed and just like, I'm bothered. Now that the option of I'll just be a permalocum has dried up and more people are going back into training, the competition ratios are now sp- you know, spiking again. It's something like eight to one for uh, for radiology this year. And even like vascular surgery. This year, vascular surgery was more competitive than plastics, according to the competition ratios. Like, mm. That's bonkers, man. There are a lot of people. I see a lot of a lot of the people who are most disenfranchised are those that have struggled to progress, um, 
and that's not always their fault. It's it's just the system is so geared against them. Um, the problem is that you know you, you don't want to oversaturate it at the other end. When you think about, it, you don't want people all scrambling for consultants and places having completed all those years of training. That's that's one thing. Yeah, um, yeah I don't think they calculate it very well. So there's always no, they don't. I don't expect them to, but um, that right. I, I understand their difficulty and they they can't offer too many places. With Caesar, Caesar is done locally. And I feel like yeah. it's a good incentive because if you've got units that, that will help you do that, like they'll always have their staffing taken care of because they're prepared to support people through. No, I think, yeah, I agree. Yeah, make Caesar. Make Caesar great again. Thank you, Caesar. <laughs> Caesar. All right, last one. 16 votes. Okay, I'm really scraping the bow now. This might be quite niche. Yeah, wasn't that um, making ISCP cheaper and also having to do less ISCP, which is something I can I totally get behind. ISCP should just be free. It should just be, should be paid for by the college or something like that. I don't know, but I don't know why we have to pay for it. Oh, okay, if you're going to make us pay for it, just make it a bit cheaper than 260 yeah, per year. It's a huge amount. Um, Especially when yeah, just all the trainees is unfair. Uh, well, I don't know if other specialties have the same thing. Or is this just a surgical yeah. thing? Well, I've got a GP one. That's actually quite expensive. And the RCP, World College of Physicians one, which, I mean, that works out pretty much the same, doesn't it? It just seems like a, a, a very unfair thing to sort of burden us with. I tell you, the people I don't want to pay, I'm going to come out and say, I don't want to pay the GMC. Like, why, why do we pay, pay them? Mostly for the PA thing. If they're going to put PAs on the same register as with the same number... Mm. Not okay with that. What happens if you stop paying the GMC? Do they get referred to the GMC for not paying the GMC? You know, you think about it, you've got to pay GMC fees, I pay Royal College fees, I pay JC, like, ICP fees, then I've got to pay um, part of the BMA, so I pay BMA. To be honest, I've got BMA doing, doing the Lord's work, so that's fine. Then I pay MDU fees, I've got to go to this conference, I'm going to another conference next week it's sponsored by Medtronic Medtronic are worth 141 billion dollars and I have to pay 500 pounds and it's in Ireland so I have to go to Ireland and stay in a hotel and yeah yeah ISCP is just like it seems needless like why can't this be faxed in and also why do I have to do all the the the, the constant harassment and please please sir please will you validate my my consultant report please will you give me my your opinions of me like yeah yeah no i think coming back to the cost i mean obviously we are going to have professional costs every profession has that but yeah. i feel like it's it's gone to the point where now it's like a significant burden on our on our finances yeah, and I think it needs to be taken into account when they are thinking about our salaries. Is that we're also a particular group of people that have very high student debts, so you, you incorporate all of that in, and a huge amount of our money just goes away to paying off our just to be trained. And because we have such long training, that, that adds up. I don't. I don't want to think about. How much, if you added it all up throughout your life, how much you've paid to 
when, when you get to a consultant, like how much you've paid to get to that point. Um, you probably work out you work the first couple of two, three years for free, I imagine. It's like this constant conference is going to be close to close to a grand for four yeah. minutes that I'm on stage presenting. Don't need it. And I think this is what really pisses people off about about PAs. They can just sidestep this whole thing. Yeah. No nights, no yeah. hours. Just getting taught to chop. No conferences unless they want and to. And they get paid more. Than... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No social hours. And the thing is, the more this is why I don't go on Reddit these days. <laughs> like, it upsets me. It puts me in a bad mood. You were scrolling like, oh my god, how can you go? Yeah, joke about it. But I saw this. Um, I saw this post about a guy who's like, "Hi, I'm an FY1. I've da 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 da. I was thinking about how I can make some extra money. I can't locum because I'm an FY1. I was thinking about doing Uber on the side, and I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy. That's how far we've fallen." <laughs> Jamie, million dollar question, million pound question, whatever question. Do you think we have it in us? Can we make surgery great again? Well, I think the thing that sort of seems to underlie a lot of what um, we've talked about is continuity training. Um, The ability to have like colleagues and, and mentors that you get to know and that's at the moment impeded by uh, rotational training and um, also the lo- loss of the uh, firm structure, importantly. And then also obstruction you might be getting from certain other uh, allied health professionals, maybe. Um, and then I think also making just life generally as a trainee, a little, little bit more comfortable, maybe, you know, without the long commutes and the massive costs and making it so that we could go home after a difficult day's work and not have to worry about money. If you were to make, if you were to fix those, you might not make it great again, but you might make it a bit better. I don't think we've come up with a straightforward answer, but... There's a quote I remember from the dark night and I think it's like is the night is always darkest before dawn and I feel like I mean it's a bit grandiose isn't it but finally with perhaps there's a fire that's been lit in the bellies of everyone in the profession and that they're really really trying to push for change and essentially what happened was because things were pretty sweet 10-15 years ago like oh it's not too bad we'll just let it slide we'll let it slide we'll let it slide and now we're at the point where like, no, this is ridiculous this is probably a topic we should visit again later, I think. I think there's... there's we got people that listen. Maybe we can lean on them. See what we can do. 